The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord. Christianity is a revealed religion. And that means something very important. It means Christianity is not something we discover on our own. It is not a philosophical system that we arrive at by means of our own thinking. By definition, when something is revealed, it has been hidden. It is not obvious. Something that is revealed to me is something that I did not see, did not know, did not understand on my own. And to have revelation, there must be something that is revealed. Someone who receives the revelation, but somebody also has to do the revealing. And so note, when we say that religion is revealed, we are saying something about how God relates to us. Because who does the revealing if not the Lord? And that while there's a certain basic understanding of God that is accessible to all people, true knowledge of God, intimate knowledge of God, only comes when the Lord reveals himself. This is what, one of the things that separates us from those perspectives that hold to some kind of generic cosmic energy, from some idea that in the end we'll just be one with the universe, from that perspective that says there probably is a God, but how could we know? And the answer that the Christian tradition gives is we know because God shows himself, because the Lord reveals himself. But revelation must also be received. And so note how the Lord Jesus speaks in the gospel today. What you have hidden from the learned, the wise, and the clever those who seek to know based on their own intelligence, 
based on their own investigation, based on their own sense of wisdom. And the Lord says, what you have hidden from them. Because the human intellect is as grasping as Adam and Eve were in the garden reaching out to take for itself, to decide for itself, including things that aren't is to claim, it's to claim. Relying too much on its own power and its own strength. Note what the Lord says. What you have hidden from them, you have revealed, you have shown, you have made known. You have opened up. You have disclosed to whom? Not the learned, the wise, and the clever, but to those who are childlike. What a remarkable statement that is. This is not Jesus saying you don't have to go to school and forget learning. But what he is speaking about is a certain attitude of heart, a certain attitude of spirit. Children are aware one of the marks of childhood is not simply a child's curiosity, but a child's awareness that he or she doesn't know everything. One of the things that is common among children are the questions they ask. And why? I need you to tell me, to help me understand. And the Lord is speaking here of those hearts that turn toward heaven and humbly say to heaven, unless you show me, I will not know. Unless you teach me, I will not understand. Note the difference in disposition there that fundamental humility and neediness into which the Lord opens his goodness, over which the Lord shines the light of his face, into which the Lord speaks his word. If we would know God, we must regularly allow the Lord to reveal himself to us. And then Jesus goes a bit further even than that as he speaks to us. He who is the Son, what does he say? No one knows the Son. Which is the Lord Jesus saying, no one knows me. Except the Father. Only the Father truly knows me. And note the claim there then, something that we hear Jesus say from time to time elsewhere in the Gospels. My Father has revealed this about me to you. Only that one whose heart is open to surrendering to the Father has a chance of knowing who the Son is. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, and he says this to his brothers and sisters in Israel. No one knows the Father 
And he's looking at a group of people convinced they do know the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. While there are other religions that rest on a sense of revelation, Christianity is not the same as them because of this. No one knows the Father except the Son. And so if you desire to know truly the God who made you, the God who made the universe, true, intimate, full knowledge of that Lord whom we name Father is only accessible through the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. And again, note what we insist. While there is on some levels a certain closeness to God that one can arrive at, true intimacy, full knowledge, is only possible through allowing Jesus Christ to teach us and to show us. Who is God? The answer to the question is, let us allow Jesus Christ to teach us that and to show us that. And if we take seriously what we believe that in the heart of all men and women is a longing for, a desire for God, we are saying that that longing that sits at the vital core of every human life, whether it's recognized or not, is a longing that in the end can only be satisfied in and through Jesus Christ. This brief reading from the Gospel of St. Matthew says an awful lot. And note how beautifully and how solidly and how clearly it frames this fundamental aspect of who we are and how then we are to grow in our understanding of our faith. This is why for hundreds and hundreds of years, one of the great cautions in the spiritual life that the church has repeated consistently through the ages is the danger of an overly abstract spirituality, including some self-professed mystics whose experience of God becomes so abstract Jesus is lost. We are uniting ourselves with the cosmic energy, the one and the source of all things. But this God reveals himself in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the high point of revelation. 
And so the church has always insisted, however contemplative one's prayer is, it must never leave behind the sacred humanity of Jesus. Because this is where God reveals himself most fully. And the minute I think I can grow beyond the contemplation of the humanity of Jesus and somehow get to his divinity in a way that ignores it, I'm leaving revelation behind. I'm no longer one who is childlike, but one who is grasping in a way that will ultimately pull me away from the Lord. And so that we're clear, so that we are clear, the fullness of revelation is not the Bible. The fullness of the word of God is not the Bible. The fullness of the word of God is the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. The fullness of revelation is not a book that we read or customs that we practice. The fullness of revelation is a person, Jesus Christ. This is why we stand for the reading of the gospel. Not simply because those words are important, but because we understand that through them a person is speaking to us. And so we stand and acknowledge the person. One can read the Bible and learn an awful lot. But the key to reading the Bible well is engaging the person of Jesus Christ. The vital beating heart of Scripture is the heart of Jesus Christ. All words in Scripture, in the end, are ordered to Jesus Christ. They speak of him in some way. Without Jesus, there is no fully understanding Scripture. Note how important this is. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. And Jesus then is also saying, there's no competition between me and the Father. If you want to know the Father, know me, and you will know him. If you want union and communion with the Father, unite yourself with me, and you will have that because your desire for the Father should bring you to me. How beautiful, how absolutely marvelous. Note then what that implies about a prayer like the rosary and why it is so very, very important. It's not important because promises are attached to it. It's not important because miracles have been the result of praying the rosary. Honestly, those are nice things, but in the end, they're not much of anything. The power of the rosary doesn't consist in that. The power of the rosary is the way it fixes the gaze of the Spirit on the face of Jesus in his mysteries. 
This is why contemplation of the mysteries is more important than all of the prayers that we like to add to the rosary. Because the essence of the rosary is prayerfully gazing on the face of Christ in union with Mary. Because no one knows the Father but the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. This is why devotion to Mary becomes so very important for us. Because the way that Jesus comes to us matters. If Jesus is the high point of revelation, there is nothing about his life that is unimportant for us. But precisely that he chooses to show his face to the world through Mary, with Mary, in Mary, and by Mary. That matters. This is why when we turn to Our Lady, especially in the mysteries of the rosary, and especially when we focus on what the church teaches about her, in the end, what happens? We see more clearly the face of Jesus Christ. One of the most ancient ways that the church has spoken of Our Lady is from our first reading, which doesn't seem to mention her. Oh, but it does. It mentions her as the bush that is on fire, but not consumed. Note this image of divine presence. The bush is burning with the presence of divine life and splendor. And yet mysteriously, the bush is not destroyed. The bush is not consumed. The fire is real. Its heat is real. Its light is real. And yet the bush is gloriously, marvelously alive. And it is here at this bush, through this fire, that the Lord reveals himself. And in reading this passage, the early fathers of the church understood the way our Lord comes to us through Our Lady is like that. When the Word is made flesh in her womb, the fire of glorious divine life fills her. But she is not consumed. And the glorious presence of the Word of God that speaks to us is enclosed marvelously within her. But his voice is not muted, nor muffled. And that when one draws near to her, one may well say, take off the sandals of your heart, for you approach holy ground. The bush that burns, that isn't consumed. A very ancient image of the Holy Virgin Mary. And that's important for each one of you today. Because think about what's going to happen in just a couple minutes. On the one hand, this altar is going to be like a burning bush. 
and the fiery, glorious light of divine life is going to be here in Jesus Christ, in this great sacrament. That one who is the fullness of revelation, no one knows the Father but the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. And while our shoes are going to remain on our feet, what are we going to do? We're going to come forward to something greater than the bush Moses approached. We are going to come forward. We're going to stretch out our hands. And that fire of divine life and goodness is going to be placed there. Physically, we won't feel it. Physically, our hands will not be burned. But this is who we receive. And as you consume the sacred host, as you prayerfully, as you prayerfully feast upon his presence and allow him to reveal divine goodness to you, consider what you become filled with the fire of divine life, but not consumed. Filled with the light of divine goodness, but not burned. How remarkable is that? In a certain but very real way, as we go forward from this place today, we go forward as so many burning bushes. What a remarkable gift that is. And have you ever thought of yourself in those terms? Have you ever considered yourself in that way? Or your brother and sister Catholics in that light? And so now we come to the final point. Precisely because Jesus is the high point of revelation, we who are made by God only know ourselves in knowing God. And so it is Jesus who doesn't simply show us who the Father is. It is Jesus who reveals to us the truth of ourselves. And what a great truth it is that we receive and celebrate this day. Amen.